What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as, hopefully, clear up all sorts of terrible health misinformation. What's up, everybody? This is Eve Gigi, the host of the Healthy Charleston Podcast. Today, we were joined by Courtney Fisher. She's a nutritional therapy practitioner. We had an absolute blast talking all things nutrition. I learned uh, quite a bit about nutrient-dense foods, about the SAD diet. If you don't know what that is, you'll know after listening to the podcast. We also talked about how you can go from making unconscious, automatic, poor food choices to more conscious, nutrient-dense, fulfilling food choices. I absolutely love this episode, and I hope you do too. Okay, here we go. What's up, Courtney? Hey, how you doing? I'm good. I'm excited for this. uh, I'm excited for us to just break some things down and talk some nutrition and get into some of the nuts and bolts. You kind of just mentioned it, we were talking a little bit beforehand. Mm -hmm. Former lawyer, so when you get into nutrition, the uh, type A in you (laughs) wants to really dig into, just as I said before, the kind of nuts and bolts and objective data. Um, Because when it comes to nutrition, most people would agree that there's a thousand different things out there. Um, there's a lot of information, a lot of misinformation, and figuring out what's right for somebody. And I usually talk about how you need to find out what's right for you because you need to feel good, and that's your, your best kind of like data point. But sometimes people don't even know what it's like to feel good in the first place. And so having some objective data around that is probably beneficial. Yes. And I think. There are so many people who haven't really felt good for so long. Sometimes when when I'm doing initial intake, if I say, when's the last time you really felt good? People don't even, they almost don't even remember. And they don't know what that means. So it's hard. A lot of it is getting back to that point of being able to assess what is good, what is, what's my optimal state of being. I'm sure you'd agree, like, in their... I just read something previously, the SAD diet, right? Yes. Which is the standard American diet, yes. which is like so appropriate. It's it is so appropriately right? But like most people, and even me, I was, um, my parents were both Europeans. So we did a lot of home cooked meals, but like still, I remember like eating pop, pop tarts for breakfast for like a solid year and a half. <laughs> right. And so like, if you've grown up your entire life eating that stuff and feeling the way you'd almost think it was normal. Yes. Right. And so like, um, just share a quick personal story. I hope it's okay. That's okay. okay. Yeah. So um, I remember when I first got into kind of like, they called the primal diet, which is kind of like paleo 80-20, Mark Sisson. Yes. People know who that sure. is in that world. And I just loved it. And that's like the first time I thought about giving up bread. And not because like I necessarily felt bad, but because he kind of told me did. And it's the first time I ever like followed some sort of framework. Sure. And I remember immediately after giving up bread, which I was eating bread, not because necessarily because of the taste, it's just because 
that's what was available. It's convenient. It's convenient. Yes. Always, nobody ever told me it was necessarily Food bad delivery or good. system. Right, right. <laughs> and I stopped eating bread, and then, like, I mean, it's so cliche, but it was so true for me. Like, I no longer, like, at 3 o'clock, felt tired. Like, I had energy throughout the day. Yes. I felt incredibly, like, much better in general, and, like, workouts, like, life, like, everything you possibly imagine. I was just, like, that's just really weird that nobody's ever said anything. And I wonder if this is like this for everybody. And like, you know, and I've gone, this is a long time ago. I've gone way deeper into the weeds than that. But like how many millions and millions of people can just benefit from like one little thing of like, okay, this is actually yep. what feeling good feels like. Yes. And for you, I mean, you probably made a lot of other changes at the same time too, but the little things that feel like um, positive steps forward like that, where you feel measurable results just help facilitate the continued accumulation of small changes that move you in the right direction. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, so as far as let's get into some of the nuts and bolts. So feeling good, quotation marks, right? Like what would be a really good way for someone to start? um, And I'm sure there's multiple ways, but like, okay, I, I want to start like, Someone told me that I need to feel better or whatever. They're trying to make some nutritional changes. They've never actually felt good. What's like, where should they even start? Like, you know, we can talk about the education piece or like some mm-hmm. actionable steps, whatever. Like, tell us a little bit more what you think. Or what you've learned. So, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll, okay, I'll give you maybe two answers. Sure. So, the one is, <laughs> I just want, I'll, I'll start by saying that if I'm, de- if I'm working with somebody one-on-one, my focus is very bio-individual. So, I, and this is probably the lawyer in me too, I don't like to generalize um, because I think it is very individualized. Each person has some, you know, a different set of circumstances in their background, a different, you know, biology that's working in their favor or maybe not sometimes. So um, that's a big piece of it for me is assessing all of that. Mm -hmm. And where, just where, where are you now? So many different factors. But in general, I think that paying attention to what you're eating, how you're feeling, and f- those types of fluctuations, just even beginning to tune into that can really help people to understand the connection between food and all other aspects of their well-being. So if you're eating, you know, whatever you might be eating for breakfast. Are you hungry in the middle of the morning? Are you, you know, are you waking up and are you already tired? Are you feeling, you know, you know, a rush of energy after you eat your breakfast and then a crash and not being able to get to lunch without needing a snack or a cup of coffee or just feeling worn out already and can't wait to get back to bed? That's not, I wouldn't call that feeling good. So I think taking stock of those things and opening your mind to the possibility, I would say the fact that food drives everything that our body has to do. We need, we need our, we need nutrients and all the different components that our bodies take from the food that we ingest to do, to accomplish all of those functions, learning to make that connection and to be cognizant of how your body responds to different types of foods in different different combinations of macronutrients, different um, other, you know, lifestyle factors that are affecting how you're processing your food. Are you sitting down 
are you chewing thoroughly? Are you drinking enough water? All these other things that we, you know, we hear about a lot more now, I think, are important factors for people to start adding to their analysis. Yeah, there's like so many layers to this, right? It's like this first layer of awareness that I have a problem. Like, it's right, again, very Mm -hmm. cliche. Like, okay, what I'm eating is not necessarily ideal. That's probably the first step, right? And then realizing that you've got to actually, which I've heard a lot um, in any kind of healthcare or fitness space, like you've got to really understand where you are now. Like, and that takes a lot of time and energy just to do that one thing. Yes. And I think also, I said this to somebody over the weekend and I've been thinking about it a lot because food is a hard issue for a lot of people, right? People don't want to be told what to eat. Um, Even if sometimes they, they think they want to do better, they still can be very defensive because they grew up eating a certain way or they think that they learned something from an article that they read or their buddy at CrossFit told them something that's working for him and so I'm going to do it too. And it's, um, I think that for people to put their ego aside and be open to learning whether it's on their own, whether they're going out and getting quality information as opposed to just the latest soundbite or they're working with somebody who's knowledgeable and who's willing to really look at their individual circumstances and what their body is asking for. Um, I think people just opening their minds to the need to move past, this is what has worked for me or this is what I think works for me and how would you know? And and honestly, that's my goal with people too is to teach them. I'm not, I'm not really making the decisions for them. I'm helping them figure out how to listen to their body because your own innate intelligence is what is going to lead you to the best and most helpful diet for you yeah there's no better like i've said multiple times litmus test of like okay how do you feel when you wake up in the morning Mm -hmm. right you know i've got a hangover okay i probably drank too much Mm -hmm. i've talked about a few times having kind of food hangovers yes that's like but in order to even have a food hangover you've got to kind of really understand what it's like even to you know in quotations kind of feel Feel good good. you know and Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, there's so many layers as to why somebody wouldn't make those changes. Like you kind of alluded yes. back that they just think that they have the right answers, you know, and um, or just not understanding that there is a right answer. You know what I mean? And like, how do you get people even yep. to take that next step? And then let alone the plentiful amounts of yes. not nutrient dense good food that's surrounded by us. Right. Like, that's my main issue is convenience. And yes. Product. And it's so, I mean, our culture makes it very difficult to make good choices because A, so many things are tied to food. So whether it's good food or not, you know, we associate other things with with food, Um, which make it difficult to control, you know, if you're if you're not sure what you what what is going to work best for you. I'm going out, you know, people are eating, I'm just going to eat. But were you really hungry? Maybe not. I don't know. Um, you know, it's something that I talk about at school a lot is not tying rewards to food um, because it just creates, it can interfere with your body's own loop, right? Of, well, if I did something good, then I'm supposed to get, you know, if I'm going to be rewarded for it, that reward might be food. And then we are 
teaching our kids to yeah. go to that. Maybe dig into that a little bit. So like, I think that's where something that you just have a lot of um, insight into is this kind of relationship with food mm-hmm. and like, where does our, where is our relationship with food now? Kind mm-hmm. of talking about that and where, like in the ideal scenario, you had mm-hmm. the perfect client, they did everything right. Mm-hmm. What does their relationship with food look like? Again, something really small, like, sure. I still don't do it, but you told me to like, chew your food until it's liquid. It still sounds weird. It sounds weird. It's I know. It is. But like, it's very, very difficult to do. And so yeah. that's like one thing that's like, probably not a good relationship with food if you just eat as fast as humanly possible right. and leave. So there's, I think just a thousand things. So maybe just start, give us like a bad, like where we are now, the mm-hmm. sad diet, sorry, not bad, sad <laughs> diet, right? And kind of our relationship now. And then like, again, what would the ideal look like? In terms of outlook, I think that's kind of where we're starting. Yep. You know, so food is fuel, right? Fuel for all of the different functions that our body has to accomplish. Now, that doesn't mean that well, I just take, eat the same thing all the time and it doesn't have to taste good and I don't enjoy it. I, Of course, people should enjoy it and people should, um, I mean, a varied nutrient-dense diet is the foundation of really everything that I, that I teach. Mm-hmm. Um, but acknowledging that there's a difference between I can't have and I don't want to have is one piece of it. So I'm not going to have bread traditional, you know, your super processed um, bread that were, wonder bread that were, you know, that a lot of us probably grew up with. Um, (laughs) And making the mental shift towards, I am consciously making better choices that are promoting my health and well-being and longevity and enjoyment of life. That mental shift is huge. So as much as what and how you're eating, how your mental state is when you're approaching food and eating, I think is is so important. And again, it's hard in the context of a society that glorifies, you know, coffee and and sugar and wine. You know, it's going from one thing to another and kind of celebrating that, oh, I was so tired I had to have another cup of coffee. That's not something to celebrate. I love coffee as much as the next person, but I don't want to be using it as a crutch to get through my day. I want to decide consciously, yes, I want to have a cup of coffee now, and I'm going to decide whether I'm having, you know, am I using collagen or am I using something else in it to mm-hmm. add a, an additional level of nutrition. Um, so I think the conscious nature of our choices is an, a, a hugely important piece of the puzzle. Right. So kind of like traditional diet would be very unconscious choices of just like it's breakfast it's it's 6 a.m or 7 a.m it's time for breakfast i'm gonna eat something as quickly as possible to get through it to get on to my next thing yeah yeah and this other one is like more of a conscious choice of hey i'm looking at my next meal or i'm just asking myself what do i want to eat or what should i like you know what I mean? What like, is what, going what to question? contribute to my, what's going to give you, yeah, what do I want to eat, but what, and so what do I want to eat, and of those things that I might want to eat, what's going to contribute to my best level of nutrition for the day? Yeah. I mean, this is obviously ideal, and this is probably more me. You know, there's a lot of calculations going on in my head all day when I make my meals, when I make my kids' meals, you know, what do they have for breakfast, what are they having for lunch, okay, what are we going to have for dinner, so that we're getting a good 
nutrient-dense diet and that we're varying what we're eating. Um, and there are some important reasons for that too, which um, are interesting and people may not think about. Um, but just really having a full complement of all sorts of different nutrients and different components that make up that whole picture. Yeah, no, I want to get into nutrient-dense stuff because I have some questions. Not sure mm-hmm. how much you know sure. about it. But like, uh, there's one book that um, my son reads a lot. It's a Jocko Willink book, so I've talked about it a few times. But he talks about, it's really interesting, nutrition. I mean, he makes it really, really uh, basic and maybe too basic, but also it hits home from like for my son. It's like, all right, if you want to eat pizza or you want to eat sugar, it's going to make you weaker. Mm-hmm. Or do you want to eat chicken and vegetables? That's right. going to make you stronger. And it's like a very simple choice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and that breaks yes. it down for him in a really cool way. Like, it is oh. cool. And like sometimes you can enjoy it, right? It's okay, mm-hmm. right? But right. just understand that that has consequences. Yes. And understand that it's not making you stronger. Right. And it's like, wow, that's like super sim- Like, I just love simplifying things down. Mm-hmm. Make it just easily. Well, simple. there's a, some quote like that, right? That if you can explain it to a like a kindergartner, yeah. or, right? Then you really understand it. And yeah. um, I think it's so true when you try to think of it at that level not that they're not intelligent they are intelligent but you just there's don't always need to overcomplicate it which i'm the first to admit sometimes i do because there's you know once you start learning and going down there's so much to know and and there's always more to learn so yeah no i mean just um think about like if i ate a cheeseburger and a milkshake and i had to go run a mile or if i ate you know some carrots some peppers and a salad with orange vinegar like all things mm-hmm. equal, would I run a mile faster in choice one or choice two? Like, okay, that's pretty simple. Yeah. You know, you yep. think. Um, so the, with the nutrients-dense stuff, so I've heard some things. Um, I love that word because when you talk to people, oh, I want to eat whole food or I eat this kind of food, I feel the word nutrient-dense means a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that can mean something different to a lot of people. But sure. how, like, I've heard some things where, like, the American diet, so even if, like, and it affects me sometimes. I try to eat as many vegetables as I can throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Just like a simple rule. Yep. Like just as many meals as I can, um, even trying to do some like meatless meals nowadays, but to get more vegetables in because you only have so many calories. I'm only so hungry. Mm-hmm. What about our foods not being as nutrient dense now as they were like 20, 30, 40, mm-hmm. 50, 60 years ago? Yep. And so I need to eat like seven times as much peppers and broccoli and salad, yep. which kind of makes me really mad. I'm like, I'd rather just be, you know, mm-hmm. for me it's a time issue. I just want like, okay, can I just get a nutrient-dense ball of energy and just eat it and be gone? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I know it's not that simple. Sorry. I don't know. Yeah. It's, and it, it's difficult, right? Because also thinking about when to choose organic, when to choose local, like different um, all these different choices that we have to make when we're shopping and spending our time and our money in terms of resources. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that soil, you know, soil depletion and nutrient depletion and all of these things are factors. Um, I think it's, yes, it's significant because it adds another layer of complexity to something that's already difficult for a lot of people. So making the best choices that you can based on all of those different circumstances, I think is really important. And also going beyond, you know, just vegetables to, well, listen, liver is probably one of the most nutrient dense foods out there, but most people, I don't know, probably most people I talk to are really not excited about that. (laughs) Um, But there are ways to incorporate things like that that I just up, I call them these like the A plus, you know, 
clients. Yeah. <laughs> you're adding you're adding organ meats. You're adding fermented foods like sauerkraut, um, you know, and other things like that that are kind of bumping up your nutrition. They're not. It's so it's adding a few small things over time and learning how to incorporate them, as well as um, the other component too. Like my my little my short description of the diet we most people are going to be moving towards and the components of that are going to look different for everybody but is mm-hmm. properly prepared nutrient dense whole foods based diet so properly prepared also goes to if you're including grains then you're probably soaking and sprouting them which and all of these things take time i'm not going to drop this on somebody who just yeah. walked in off the street you know going from sad diet to right. like all right let's get in line and do yeah, all this and like let's go meal. get some liver right. you, you know because it's overwhelming yeah. i mean and there are still times when i'll learn about something new that i want to start incorporating and it's just not the right time mm-hmm. you have to also i think acknowledge that and acknowledge that people who are facing challenges that have gotten them to the point of wanting to change their nutritional approach they didn't get there overnight and you're not going to fix it overnight. And those people are in, for, for me personally, my most successful clients who acknowledge that and understand that that is my approach and that's how, that's generally how I guide people is it's, it's just like you're not going to go to the gym and lift weights once and all of a sudden be strong and fit. You know, you have to... Dare you say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I... So to go down... Can we go down the rabbit hole just a little? Sure. For the nutrient-dense food and properly prepared. Because I hear that stuff all the time. It's like, all right, you know, if you want to eat broccoli, if you cook it, you're just going to get significantly less nutrients. Or, you know, there's probably multiple examples of that. Mm-hmm. What are some, like, common ones that you feel like you change with your clients? Um, I think, so fats are a big one. What types of fats are you cooking with? Um... I think that educating people about, um, first of all, Crisco's not good. Not yet. (laughs) Would not recommend Crisco. You know, um, paying attention to using a variety of different kinds of quality health healthy fats is so important, right? Because a lot of us grew up, or I'm a little bit older, but you know, I grew up during the time of the diet heart hypothesis and being told that we should be eating low fat and um, being afraid and a lot of people still have that that. perception unfortunately but using quality fats so some and some that people are that many people are still afraid of learning how to incorporate those so cooking with fats that are meant for the temperature that you're cooking at so that they don't become denatured and um, for some of them if they become compromised in the cooking process mm-hmm. or if they're heated in, in any way, like even in transport, um, your body doesn't recognize them as what they originally yeah. were. Like olive oil is one, right? That should be had raw, typically. Raw is... So there is some debate now. Initially, there was some research that suggested that you shouldn't cook with it mm-hmm. at high at high heats, yeah. higher heats, like even because baking. It because right, it right, denatures... Right, right. More recently, I've seen some things on both sides that say you might lose some of the uh, some of the higher level benefits that you would get from eating it raw, but mm-hmm. that it isn't necessarily it isn't necessarily um, detrimental to your health. 
if you sure. cook with it. It's like net neutral. Right. As much as something can be net neutral. But generally for cooking, I recommend um, animal fats, coconut oil, um, Cocoa, things like okay, that. Okay, yeah. What about uh, ghee butter? Yes. That's okay? butter. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, Those are typically what we eat, like if I cook eggs or... Fry if you tolerate, if people tolerate cow's milk, then yes. And ghee, even a lot of people who have some issues with cow's milk can tolerate ghee. Yeah, yeah, because the dairy's how do you like? I forgot, like, because it's all basically it's the fat clarified. Comes to the top. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many words, so many words. It's hard <laughs> to keep up. So let's let's take it back. I'm on a couple of good tangents there. So you're a lawyer by trade. That yes. was your first job. Yep. And now you're a Nutritional therapy practitioner. There you go. I was going to mess it up, so I had to put it in your, your court. So what, first of all, what made you or what led you to make that transition? And then, you know, tell us a little bit about how you kind of got where you are today. Mm-hmm. Practicing. I grew up standard, pretty much standard American diet. Um, I had a lot of low level, what I consider at the time, typical health issues as a kid ear infections, progressing to sinus and other things, GI issues um, that I just kind of assumed were things you dealt with. You know, there wasn't a lot of discussion about a lot of it in my house. Um, Progressing as I got older to a longer list of issues that I was dealing with, increasing allergies, skin issues, all sorts of things um, that I, at the time, didn't necessarily associate with food, even some of the GI stuff I didn't necessarily associate with food. I also grew up cooking a lot with my mom, so I always loved to cook, and you know, food was a focus. But again, not the most healthful diet. Not for any, not, not there's no judgment there. It's just it was pretty typical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I really probably when I was in law school, I started to experience a lot more. I think the symptoms became much more troubling on a day-to-day basis for me um, and managing stress and all of those things it's just the effects of it started to accumulate you to the point control, where let's be honest you only control stress so much mm-hmm. I feel like you could control your food intake sometimes way better I mean yes there's a degree mm-hmm. to both but yep. like man if I could manage my food intake then my stress would become more manageable it's like I always feel like what's your like insertion point that's the one thing that you like really have control over for us it's more of like the fitness and exercise mm-hmm. side right or the yep. stress side for mental health like for the nutritional side for you it's like yep. what's your one thing and that can be the flywheel that just kind of opens up everything else mm-hmm. which is cool yeah yep. um and so when i started practicing started developing migraines and again continuing just continuation of all of these symptoms um and i decided that so I started seeing different specialists for different issues, and nobody was connecting the dots. Nobody was asking any of these questions. When you say specialists, who do you mean? So, like, you know, for my um, sinus issues, I was seeing... Um, for medical doctors, ENT, Yes, an allergist, yes. Different, yes. And then I met somebody who had celiac, and a light bulb went off, and you'd think that it would have gone off sooner, but it didn't. And in learning how to cook for this friend I started making connections for myself and I could not learn fast enough how to you know try to narrow down some of my issues or try to address some of my issues I asked so I went back to some of these specialists asking them questions I was tested for celiac I was tested for all sorts of things and they 
either told me, oh, you're, you know, you're relatively healthy. You're just, it, yeah, maybe you need to watch what you eat, but it, there's no connection. Yeah. And I did not accept that. And I, so I continued down the road and I eventually started working with naturopathic doctors and other more holistic minded um, practitioners and then really just continuing to teach myself until after I had my kids, my daughter had several food allergies. And so I had at that point pulled out gluten and dairy and some other things out of my diet and experienced incredible, really like resolution of probably 95% of my symptoms at that point, just on my own really. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when we started to address her allergies, I was just that much more motivated to continue to learn and improve. And so once my kids got old enough that I was kind of seeing life part two on the horizon, I decided that I wanted to get some sort of certification. Because again, going from practicing as a lawyer um, to just kind of like helping people on the side because friends and family knew what I was doing, I felt like I needed something. You know, and I also wanted the opportunity to study more of the things that I had learned about. I wanted to study them in more of a complete framework and uh, with experience. Yeah. Um, when you got excited, you're like, oh man, yes. I was really pumped. I uh, could this not. This working and I need to just voraciously learn why yes. and how. And... and I came across someone through work I was doing in school at, with, with school wellness who had the initials NTP after their name. And I was like, what is that? And it was nutritional therapy practitioner. And I immediately went to the internet and found out about the program and the different options um, and different levels of certification, different organizations that that certify. And I almost cried because the thought that it could be a job and that I could actually officially help people Mm -hmm. um, to navigate some of the things that took me years to figure out, it was overwhelming in a good way. And so... Here I am. And I continue to, you know, like always wanting to learn more. So doing more certifications and adding different pieces to the puzzle. But yeah, no, I have more tools in your tool belt mm-hmm. for sure. And I mean, she so said it's an ever evolving process. The one thing that I want to just like circle back to, and I mean, I always have to like kind of put it out there, but I just kind of a little bit of a light bulb went off. So like when you go to like ENT or you go to an allergist and they give you, you you probably discuss with them some of the nutritional side of things, right? And they're, at this point, most people know, if you don't mind blowing about, they really, doctors don't get any nutritional training. Almost none. Right, right, so like. And that's okay. not a knock on them, it's just, it's a knock on the system. Exactly, and I always thought, oh, okay, that's fine, not a big deal, <laughs> but what I would have a problem with is a doctor who's not nutritionally trained to tell you that you're okay. Right. Like, I think that you'd be like, hey, I'm not trained in this. Mm-hmm. Maybe food could be an option for you before I do all these other things. And Here's prescribe. a referral out yes. to somebody who I know and trust to go try this. And if in six months you still haven't figured it out and you cleaned up your diet and then come back to me. And like, man, there's my ideal world. I mean, for mm-hmm. not only just nutritionally, but also like physically, you've gone yep. that route too. But like, why? I don't get why that's not just a normal. Like, and so the Nutritional Therapy Association was started by someone who initially targeted healthcare professionals to add an additional level of nutritional training um, to what they already offered. And then it was eventually expanded to include people like me who want to be a support to that. But there is still a disconnect between those two pieces. Right. Obviously, right? Like, I mean, let's just go ahead and say 
I don't know this for a fact. But and I'm that's not true of every doctor. Of course, some doctors are knowledgeable, and there are a lot who have... But they're extremely hard to find, right? They like, are hard to point, find, like, yes. It's just almost like actively looking kind of in this area, and we have some really great doctors, and I've met some really good ones, but on the norm, it's just not like... And again, it's like... And I, I get it. Like, as a healthcare practitioner, you want to help somebody, and it's probably really, really hard to put your ego aside and say, I don't know... Mm-hmm. go out with someone else mm-hmm. and then come back and see me so there's yep. there's so many layers to that issue that I totally understand but mm-hmm. um, it definitely can't be ignored at this point I think we all kind of understand that like nutrition can affect your medical health directly mm-hmm. like whoever says that's not true of, like, right. diabetes would be you know type 2 diabetes yep. would be an optimal way to say that yep. and it's so that transition has to happen. I feel like it is still growing there. I say this all the time, and like I do feel like it's still going in that direction. Um, but I just hope we can, definitely just hope at some point we can just have somebody like you as part of a normal plan of care for anybody who's dealing with something kind of in this wellness kind of, I mean, in any space, really. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It'd be really hard-pressed. And there are some places that are starting to work, like Cleveland Clinic. You know, you have Dr. Hyman who's really done so much for functional medicine and promoting it, but it's still, it's still only in these individual pockets, you know, and other, other holistic healthcare practitioners who have become more well-known, Chris Kresser, who people who are putting more, you know, there's more and more for sure. Yes. But it's still hard and it's still generally not covered by insurance. And so for instance, like people who are coming to see me really, it's a commitment, but in some ways, and it's not that I want people to pay any more than they need to to achieve better health, but knowing that they're willing to they're willing to make that commitment is already significant, right? They're already in, they're already invested, and they're gonna hopefully achieve better results because of it. Yeah, I wonder. I'm thinking of so many things in my head, but um, is there any like? Could you even? pre-plan or get pre-made meals that we would be like okay with like are there are those even out there there are some services that are pretty good um but it's hard to find that i mean it's hard to find you were talking about convenience we're all trying to scratch my head here we're all busy but i'm not gonna cook you know what i mean yeah there's one called balance bites um and they have a lot of they can address a lot of specific dietary needs. And these are, and there are a few more, like there are several that have been developed by people in the CrossFit world Mm -hmm. that though, and those are hit more on the trendier, I say in air quotes, um, diets, paleo, keto, things like that, which can work for a lot of people. I don't personally think any one named diet necessarily is right for every person. I think you pick, a framework maybe and you adjust it for you but in terms of finding meal meal delivery or ways to make your life easier as you're incorporating these changes and learning and maybe you're not used to cooking you know it if you if you're if a person is changing from a standard american diet to trying to cook cook more or to um you know switch their diet clean up their diet a lot it's a huge learning curve and i will acknowledge years yes Uh i'm still transitioning out and I started that journey. Obviously. So having resources yeah. like that, I think, is hu- a huge help. Yeah. And, I mean, it's got to be, you know, you got Whole Foods and places like that. 
but I would love a place that like gar- would guarantee like the most nutrient yes. vegetables and they're locally sourced and like yep. I just want to go to a place where literally I cannot buy anything bad mm-hmm. and I'm free to buy whatever I want and eat whatever. And I, this is I think it's a grocery store and, that needs to happen. And see, this I'm is but this is another <laughs> this is one of my other recent yeah. pet peeves is I there was a time when Whole Foods was like Disney World for me. Yeah. And now if you go into the prepared foods stores, and I still like there's still a lot good to say about about yeah, it's that like a as a resource. Scale, right? like, but you still every I it goes back to I think every person has to be knowledgeable and in charge of their own health and, and nutrition because if you go into the prepared food section at Whole Foods now where there used to be a lot of choices that I would recommend, almost everything is made with canola oil. Which, although I try not to say anything is bad, I don't recommend that anybody eat it. It's mm-hmm. highly processed and it's highly probably denatured by the time it even reaches the wherever it's being used, the store shelf or the, yeah. the facility or whatever it is. Um, and that's just hugely disappointing to me because they could be easily making better choices. Yeah, yeah. We could go down that rabbit hole of profit versus, yes. you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like... Uh, what's right for the and and honestly person. the same with with restaurants and I don't knock anybody I mean everyone I understand that there's a business side too but I would love to see restaurants be more knowledgeable about some of those factors too because if I have clients that I'm working with who are really trying to make these changes it's hard not to be able to go out and eat it's almost impossible I remember when I was like on a strict mm-hmm. kind of like non-processed food um, it was like mm-hmm. I could basically eat salad and I would ask for oil and vinegar. Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty much my only option. And even like, places where you think, well, they're sort of like a European, um, a European yeah. theme or bent to their cuisine, they're even not using the same quality ingredients you would expect in that type of setting. And I would, I also highly encourage people to ask you know just ask what's in something Mm -hmm. and ask if it can be tweaked I don't think I and not necessarily at the height of you know meal service at like you know six or seven o'clock on a Saturday night but I'll go ahead of time or I'll call ahead of time and ask if a meal can be adjusted yeah um if it's somewhere where where we want to go so that my family can go out and enjoy something you know if we're going out with a group or whatever and just be prepared yeah you gotta put the time Mm-hmm. You know, with meal prepping or calling ahead. Uh, again, during that same time when I was really going down this rabbit hole, I was at like a local restaurant. And speaking of like, where did your food kind of come from? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was trying to eat more fish during that time, so I really didn't have a big fan of fish. And uh, trying to do things more like locally sourced or fresh. Um, well, not fresh, but like wild mm-hmm. as opposed to um, farm. Yeah. Farm. Mm-hmm. And so I asked, I was like, where did this salmon come from? And the waitress, she's like, no idea. She's like, I, what? I don't know. And I was like, the well, ocean? Yeah, no, exactly. I was like, would well, you mind asking? And she came back, and I think I've said this before, but it's okay to repeat, I guess. Is like, oh, this was made in Jamaica. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to eat salmon that was farmed in Jamaica. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And she just, you know, when she told me that, she was like, oh, that's t- totally normal. Right. Like, no, it's probably not where salmon thrive. Like, probably not. May- maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm I don't pretty think sure. so. Yeah, you think like Alaska, like cold. right? Yeah. Very cold thing. So, yeah, I think just uh, even if you just do it every once in a while, it'd be a fun activity for people listening. Just like ask yep. where that chicken came from, yep. you know, or like where that steak came from. Like, hey, where did you guys get this mm-hmm. from? And it's probably, yep. uh, it may ruin it for you. Sorry. but uh, I know, but sorry, but not sorry. Yeah, sorry, yeah. but like, yeah, your uh, body and everything mm-hmm. else is going to, Yep. Um, yeah, I think we're going to learn a lot more in the next 20, 30 years. 
purely, I don't want to like put my foot in my mouth, but like a lot of our metabolic diseases and arguably like cancer and things like that, like it's just, I don't know where it's coming from, but I'm assuming that what we're eating is probably affecting that not in a positive way. You know what I mean? I don't claim to be an expert, but I would think 30, 40, 50 years of people look at our diet and be like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Like, well, so scary. if you think about this, um, you know, 12,000 years ago while we were hunting, gathering. Yeah. 1600 is when we started processing sugar. So in the scope of people being alive on the earth, that is this little blip in time, mm-hmm. right? And then you have industrial revolution, then the beginning of the end, big the food, <laughs> and then the chemical Sorry. revolution, you know, yeah. in food it, around World War II. And if you look at the degeneration of our health, in that sh- relatively short period of time, it's pretty hard. And there are other, obviously, other toxins in our environment that are contributing to that. But it's pretty hard to ignore the impact mm-hmm. of those events. Right. Yeah. Especially when you look at other cultures, indigenous cultures that weren't as touched by those things, or certainly not at the same times. And so you can kind of see the correlative decline in those in those areas. Um, yeah, it's hard to hard to ignore. Right. It's, and that doesn't mean that people don't want to see it, and that's okay. I mean, you every person needs to get to that point. And this is kind of going back to something you asked before, and I lost. We I think I lost my train of thought, but it's so much of it is finding your why. Why are you? What is that thing that's going to motivate you to make the better choices on a consistent basis? to the point where they're not really even choices anymore, That's that becomes your new way of life because it's that important to be healthier and to feel your best and to be your best for yourself, for the people in your life, for your kids. You know, I was motivated to make changes when I wasn't feeling well, but what really put me over the edge was my husband and my kids and my family and people beyond that too, but... I just, you know, had this moment where I I have to be a better example for them and I want to be a better person for them. And if I'm not feeling good on a daily basis, then I'm not being, I'm not the best person I can be. Yeah, people have to find their why for sure. I mean, willpower will only take you so far. <clears throat> I kind of posted about this the other day. You need to turn your willpower into a habit, right? Mm-hmm. So like habitually, I just do not eat bread. Like every once in a while, but like it's not mm-hmm. even a choice. It's not like, oh, really want that piece of bread yep. like that's the piece of willpower it's like oh that's just a habit mm-hmm. hopefully I continue to like layer more kind of good habits on top of that mm-hmm. for sure it's just uh, I don't know I just want to just talk about it and I want to learn more about every time I have one of these podcasts there's just there's just so much to learn mm-hmm. you know and uh, it's still even hard I'm sure for you too to kind of glean what is actually good information as opposed to you know somebody just you know the next soundbite like you said it's interesting because people who know what i'm doing now or who i you know encounter in these different situations will be like hey i heard about this what do you think about that and i really try to resist anything i mean i do still go to I, i go to solid research which in nutrition is so hard it's it's very hard to sort out what even in valid medical research and scientifically based you know you still have to be so careful to look at how the study was designed who did it 
who's interpreting it because you can go back to something like the diet heart hypothesis that was the basis for the country's food pyramid that's in the whole the whole time I was growing up which has been completely discredited now and contributed to a lot of the chronic diseases that our society is is now trying to dig ourselves out from right I mean how that was not a bigger headline just and no, but people place. were kind of like, um, well, yeah, we were deal. wrong about that, but don't worry about it. Still trust us and keep yeah. listening. No way. You know? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a big thing that we talk about in our practice. Is, like, you're going to have to take control of it yourself. You're mm-hmm. just going to have to learn for yourself. There's just no other way around it. Like, mm-hmm. period. There's just nobody else. You know, you can hopefully find some good resources. And, and that means, so that means different things for different people, though, right? Like, for somebody, it might mean doing their own research and 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 whatever that means their own research or that you know their own reading um to learn truly on their own for other people it means finding someone that they can trust who's going to either share some of what they know or help guide them to the limited or bits of research that they want so to never have to cook a meal again That'd right be awesome. right because everybody is <laughs> going to approach it in a different way but yeah. you can still be educated towards the, the the end that's best for you yeah um, something I just thought about too, like I get those questions a lot too, obviously like, oh, I have knee pain, don't have surgery, what should I do? Right. Kind of thing. And like you kind of said it like the <clears throat> simplified version of that, like just throw back very, very simple kind of things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I would think from a guy, just eat as many vegetables as you physically can. How much water are you drinking? Right. Just like little things and like the, that can make a big impact as opposed to like, well, the science says... For most people, right. the science would, like... They don't want to hear the whole analysis of how, you know, over-consuming processed foods, which are basically sugar, leads to fat, you know. They don't want to hear the whole science of glycogen and, you know, all of that. They want to just know, what should I eat? Mm-hmm. And it's... For some people, it's that simple. For some people, you could hand them a list and they'll be like, okay, I'll <laughs> this is what I'll do. Right. And for others, they want to know somewhere in the middle, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a forever plagues me is how do I create action mm-hmm. right it's kind of been a theme the last couple podcasts because it always comes down you can have as much information which hopefully we're putting good information out on this podcast but like how mm-hmm. do you actually take action on that information yeah. that's that's another thing that's extremely extremely difficult for most people like yes most people are probably going to fail like it's unfortunate but like yep. you know we just hopefully piece by piece bit by bit we can continue to find ways and some of that goes back to you know people who are committed and if you're paying somebody like me, we're checking in on a somewhat regular basis. And, you know, it's like even, I I guess I'm not that familiar with how life coaches operate, but it's not that different, right? Like you have somebody to check in with uh, in terms of like reaching different goals. So for somebody working with me, it's accountability on their nutrition and lifestyle surrounding nutrition, but, but it does help. I'm, and, and, Likewise, with the support groups, you know, for different things. Yeah. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. I totally forgot. So, like, um, I like it. So, it's a sugar detox support group, right? Yes. So, tell us kind of the basis behind that, and then I'd love to kind of know mm-hmm. um, if somebody does work with you one-on-one, what is the kind of protocols mm-hmm. and what you do there? Sure. So, after I did my nutritional therapy practitioner certification, then I was eligible to also um be trained and licensed to teach a sugar detox called Restart, which is part part sugar detox, part 
um, support group part education, nutrition education, that helps put all those pieces really together um, with the goal of helping people understand what, how do I feel when I'm really feeling good and when I've removed some of these other stressors from my diet that might be contributing to not feeling good on a daily basis. Um, it's not that different than Whole30 in some ways. Um, in that it's a in that it's an elimination diet, yeah. but it's more there's I think there's more forgiveness on certain things. It's much more focused on making conscious choices, and if you screw up, we just move on. It's not like I dropped my cell phone now I smashed it with a hammer. You, you dropped it, pick it up, and let's move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the support aspect of it, I think, is really helpful for a lot of people. Talking about the community, we all know that that's, again, talking about action. If you do it within a community, your action goes up. That's why fitness mm-hmm. is in a group setting is much more prevalent than it is on a one-on-one mm-hmm. or just going to a mm-hmm. fitness. Yeah. So that's a five-week program that that provides all of those pieces together in a, in a probably pretty neatly packaged manner um, that works well for a lot of people. Yeah. If I meet with someone one-on-one... I do a really thorough intake to get a, a kind of a, not a snapshot because it's more thorough than that, but a, a picture on paper from um, some different intake, different means of intake. One is a kind of a, a health questionnaire. One is an online, it's almost like it feels kind of like a survey that will generate a list of symptoms that they're, that the person is experiencing and it indicates body systems that might be compromised based on their the state of their health. Um, I have another element that I can, that, I guess another tool in my toolbox that's a series of functional tests that were developed by chiropractors and other functional medicine practitioners that we learned as part of our training that helps to, can help to kind of hone in on some of those specific body systems. And I'm just finishing up doing another um, layer of certification that allows me to pull in some other objective testing um, for checking gut health and other markers of overall digestion and um, functioning, which layered with some food sensitivity testing can really help people achieve measurable results more quickly because you're removing stressors that they're encountering on a daily basis. And these aren't food allergies necessarily, but they're low-level sensitivities that when you have 10 of these foods um, and you're eating several of them at a time, the effects of that can compound and contribute to you not feeling great um, and and can really form a, an obstacle to healing whatever else needs to be addressed in your gut or overall digestion. What about, so they're, they've detoxed, they started working with you, filled out the questionnaire, and like what's the ongoing, because then you do some family-based mm-hmm. stuff too, right? Like do you come in and cook for you then, right? Can <laughs> you just like check in with emails, like um, so, give them lists, right? Like, yeah. I think that'd be- so what I normally, what I would do with a one with an individual client is go through that, the, the first month consists of a lot of that intake and analysis of the information that I'm getting about where they are and where where they are, where they want to be, what things we need to address. Mm-hmm. Developing a protocol to start down that path. Yeah. Um, and then on an ongoing basis, we continue to meet 
you know, usually about two times a month to give people time to implement some of the things we've discussed, to start to feel the effects of whatever protocol we've developed um, and continue moving forward. And then I'm always available for questions in between if somebody has something that they need to know. I offer grocery tours if people need help with that just to kind of, again, moving from whatever version of diet or is full standard American diet to somewhere in between. Yes, so there might be paleo you know, or more out of it. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. But helping people identify products that they can go to as they're making these switches so mm-hmm. that it doesn't feel quite so jarring. I'll do pantry cleanouts, you know, because that's it's hard, right? You want to but you want to set yourself up for for success. And if you're surrounded by those things that you fell back on um, in the past, it can be hard to move forward. Um, and I have not yet, but I actually, it's funny you ask, I have been thinking about doing kind of like teach and uh, cook and learn type of classes, especially for the purpose of pulling in other family members. Because I think it's really hard to be the only one, especially if it's, if you're if you're the only one in the house trying to make these changes and others don't, your family doesn't understand or they're not there yet. It's difficult, but if, you can make it a little bit more collaborative um, or you know offer a class like that where it's a little bit more fun to get different family members involved in helping with different parts of a meal and this is how we can all contribute and this is why I might be suggesting that you eat this instead of that or add this to your repertoire so that I think that would be amazing because and I because I also you know I firmly believe like no age is too young to start teaching kids about making better choices and cooking. Arguably I think <laughs> even just teaching kids to cook at an early age is so empowering for them and helps them to appreciate real food, especially if you're cooking real food without a lot of extra. Yeah, yeah. I let my kids do that. I mean, we'll sometimes be cooking and I'll kind of let them taste it and mm-hmm. see if they want to add anything or we can talk about what foods we're putting in there today and they mm-hmm. can prep or... Um, one thing I really, really like is that with like portion sizes, I will let them pick their portion sizes mm-hmm. like very, very quickly so they can understand like what's too much or too, you know what I mean? Like, yep. um, just, yeah, I mean, the kids love that stuff. Yes. It mm-hmm. takes a little bit extra time and effort, but, yep. um, what do you think like, uh, snack wise, right? Like, I mean, every probably parent goes through this, like it's so easy to make a sandwich and send it with them. It's so easy to just pack a you know, pirate booty or manila wafers or, you know, mm-hmm. and just give that to them. Like, what are some old, quick alternatives? And we got to get close to it. Sure, so yeah, no problem. Be the last question. <laughs> um, you know, my kids, and so it's hard if it's a school setting and nuts aren't allowed, but my kids will do, you know, like uh, apple and nut butter or something like that. Um, I try to, when we have time, to make a snack to really start with Whole Foods when possible. And sometimes we'll make things in advance, like, uh, maybe a, a more like a pared down version of a granola bar or something like that because people you I'm sure you know but a lot of granola bars have more sugar than something packaged and and yeah, marketed it's like as cookies and ice cream, which exactly so many of these things are huge pet peeves so um, things like that like we'll make fat bombs sometimes um, make a what fat bombs a fat bomb so it's it is, it, it, awesome. it, it, it is a keto concept but we're, I'm not strictly keto again like I said I don't yeah. I don't promote that for just people in general I think it, but there are <laughs> so it's 
Yes, it's kind of like an energy bite type of okay. idea. Okay. Um, but if you Google it, you'll find tons of recipes. But again, it's just being knowledge, obviously, reading through the ingredients and, and making good choices. But yeah. Usually like a nut butter or a fat of some sort with some other healthy um, things mixed in. Um, but we use, like I use certain meat sticks. Paleo Valley makes some that are cleaner. Um, seaweed snacks which are you know again this is kind of like liver you know like for some people they're like seaweed heck no but yeah but it's a good source of iodine which we don't get in a lot of other uh, from all from many other foods um things like that yeah seeds you know like seed crackers um and again it's hard to find processed process even in in the more in a more healthful setting it's hard to find processed foods that are clean cleaner Mm -hmm. um so it's usually there's I acknowledge that that there's a little bit more effort, but you know, veggies and hummus. Yeah. Um, you know, one like body that. you might as well put in the effort. It's gonna mm-hmm. gonna put in the effort. I tell you're gonna put in the effort now, or you're gonna put it in later. Yes. When you're kind of struggling. Exactly. You know, when you have some health issues. So yep. Much rather do it while you're kind of feeling good and feeling healthy. Yep. Well, this was awesome. Thank you. Uh, I know we went on a lot of tangents there, so I hope everyone thought that was beneficial. I know that I did. Um, <laughs> If anybody wants to find out more about you or what you got going on, where yep. would they uh, need to look you up? How would they look you up? Facebook page right now. Um, website coming in the future at some point. Everybody um, has Facebook or can find it that yes, way. Yes, yes. So What's the name of the Facebook Courtney page? Courtney Fisher NTP. Awesome. At Courtney Fisher NTP. Cool. And we'll link to it in the show notes. Great. Thanks for coming, Courtney. Thanks for having me. What's up, everybody? Eve here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Healthy Charleston Podcast. If you did, we would love for you to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. And please leave us any comments. We're always looking to improve or recommend a guest. Yes, we take recommendations. Also, if you want to learn a little bit more about us and our health and human performance clinic, where we do physical therapy and performance training, please go check out madetomovept.com. Again, that's made, the number two, movept.com. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.